Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. We've been uh, in this series for a very few weeks now around the topic of spiritual warfare. And today we're actually gonna conclude this series. We've been uh, walking through what the Bible calls the armor of God, right? What God has given us as tools to fight this good fight. And I don't think it takes rocket science to realize that we are in a spiritual warfare. And it's all around us and sometimes it's in us. And God has equipped us to be able to overcome these fights. And so today we're gonna to conclude it. And you know what, I wanna just do a quick recap of what we've done the, the last few weeks and how we're gonna end it today. But I wanna bring us back to that picture that we've been focusing on the last few weeks. Remember that Paul, the apostle, was in jail and he's in jail in a Roman uh, prison and he's surrounded by these Roman soldiers. And so he gave us this analogy, this illustration to say, here's how you fight the spiritual battle in the spirit, right? You need to have these, this armor on so that when the enemy comes against you, you're able to withstand, but also you're able to attack. Our goal is not to be defensive, it's to be on the offense. Can you say amen? And so the last few weeks, we, we've talked about what it means to have the helmet of salvation on. We talked about prayer, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. And so today we're going to conclude by looking at what Paul calls the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says you've got to have the right shoes. He says you've got to have the right shoes to fight this good fight. And he said this about the shoes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. He says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be able so that you will be fully prepared for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Ask your neighbor, what are you wearing? What are those? <laughs> I think shoes are extremely important. I don't know about you guys, I, I like the type of shoes that I don't feel like I have anything on. Like, I, wanted, I don't want to be focusing on my shoes when I'm going about my day. Like, the worst thing about the, 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 the wrong shoes is that it, it makes you keep focusing on your feet. Like, you ever wear shoes 
they, they're like, throughout the day, you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why am I? Like, I just did this. We went, we went away last weekend, and I brought these shoes that it just was not going well for me. And I'm like, why did I do this? Why am I wearing these shoes? You know, ladies, you know when you guys, you have your, your, your heels on, you look really cute, but you can't walk? <laughs> well, you ever see a woman struggle through, you know, try to compose yourself? Because it's like, oh, it's cute, but it's not really that conducive for walking. It's more for sitting. They sit there and all day when you wear heels. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Why are you guys looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but shoes are extremely important. And in, in, the, um, in the first century, as you know, the Roman Empire ruled the world. And the reason why they ruled the world is because of their army. And history tells us that one of the things that always gave them an advantage in war was actually what they were wearing. They said the Roman soldiers had the type of shoes or slash sandals that were very mobile and very flexible. And they were able to, to get to certain terrains that other soldiers wouldn't be able to go to. And they said if you look at the conquest of Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great, the reason why they were able to overcome all of these different battles is because they were smart about their shoes. So shoes are very important if we're going to be able to win this war because you have to be flexible. You have to be mobile or mobile, right? You have to be able to, to pivot, which is like the name of 2020. Like there's a pivot happening all the time. And in the spirit is the same way. There's always something happening that we have to be flexible. We have to be mobile. We have to be willing to shift and be able to anticipate what the enemy is going to do. And if I don't have the right shoes on, I might be at a disadvantage. Are you tracking with me so far? So the Romans were known for what they call the Pax Romana, right? The, the Roman peace, right? They would come to a region. They will take over that region and say, Lao, if you guys abide by our rules, then you'll have peace. But the problem with that is, it was always peace through violence. It was peace by domination, right? The Romans would come, take over a nation and say, well, now you guys are under our peace, but you have to abide by our rules if you want to stay in peace. And they would call this their evangelium, which is another word for the gospel. The Romans had their own version of the gospel, which is Hey, you can have salvation through Caesar by our own way of peace, which is violence. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Right? So their evangelium, their gospel was a gospel of peace through violence. When Jesus dies on the cross, he dies on the cross because the Romans crucified him because that's their way of maintaining peace through violence. And so when Jesus' disciples saw Jesus come back from the dead and Jesus said, go and spread my evangelium, my gospel. He says, do it through peace and not through violence. Are you tracking? So they took the language of the Romans and flipped it and said, wait, no, there is evangelium. There is good news, but it doesn't come through violence. It comes through peace and peace in Jesus and not in Caesar. And so it's interesting because the Romans will go into a place and say, Caesar is 
Lord, so you got to bow down to Caesar so that you can have peace. Well, the Christian said, well, Jesus is Lord, and if you bow your knees to him, you will have peace, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And so what they did is they took what the secular world was doing and flipped it on his head and said, no, no, we do have a Lord, we do have a peace, we do have a gospel, but it's different from violence, it's different from that approach. So are you tracking with me? They adopted, I love this, they adopted the lingo of the culture and redeemed it for good. We've been talking about this every single week. Our goal as believers is to infiltrate the culture and bring the gospel, the good news, for good and not for bad. That's why we can't approach things the way the world does. Because the way the world does may not be the way that God co-signs it. Are you tracking with me? So that's why Paul says, for, peace, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the evangelium of Jesus, not of Caesar. This is why I think there's a tension in our world right now, because we're still struggling with who is really Lord. Who do we really worship? Funny thing is, when people say, oh, yeah, you, you guys Christians, you worship this Jesus that you, never, you don't even know if he's real, you don't even see, but the truth is, we all are worshiping something. Or somebody. But the truth is, if you strip down everybody's life, we all have beliefs. We all have our thing that we live by. Even atheists have beliefs. They believe that we came from nothing and we just exploded into PA and then somehow we started with this primordial soup that became what we are today. That's a belief. And don't get me wrong, I think that takes way more faith to believe. <laughs> yeah, I think atheists have more faith than I do. You know, and then you have the agnostics, who is a type of faith, who says, I'm not sure, but maybe, perhaps, for a chance. I'm not sure, maybe, perhaps, for a chance. Depends on when the day. On Monday, I might believe something. On Tuesday, I don't know. That's a belief. Right? All of us have a belief through which we are filtering the world and through which we are going about our day. And when we go to the polls on Tuesday, we go into it with a belief system and believe that, hey, this person or this person might be able to help us get to where we believe we're going. We're all searching for some type of utopia, but Jesus has made it clear that in this world, you're always going to have troubles, but take heed. I've overcome the world, so will you. But it's, my, through, it's through my gospel. It's not through the world. Gospel. So, my friends, as believers, our gospel is Jesus. Our evangelium, our good news is Jesus. So everything that we do is filtered through that reality that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, and that we don't achieve anything through the means of violence, but it's all through the gospel of peace. Yes, yes. Are you tracking with me? Yes. All right. The Bible even says this in Isaiah 52. He says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings what? Good news. good news. Evangelium. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. It says, how beautiful are the people who actually take on the gospel and they bring it. And they spread it. And they take it everywhere with them. My friends, this is the gospel of Jesus. You and I can bring good news to a world that is hurting and dying and struggling and trying to make sense of things, in a world that's trying to find peace through violence, in a world that's looting and thinking that's the way to find peace. Like, my friends, we have a divine responsibility to carry on the good news of Jesus Christ and bring it to our families and bring it to our workplace, bring it to our communities. We should be wearing, people should be asking, what are those?
In other words, what is it that you have that I don't have? I believe this. I have this conviction. I believe believers should live in such a way that it makes the world question how they're living. St. Francis said it best. St. Francis says, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. That your life is a message in itself. And I want to take it a step further and tell you, we don't just have the good news. We are the good news. I told you all over the nation, believers are praying for this country, right? So think about that. If all of us can embody the good news and live the good news and teach the good news through our lives, then perhaps this nation is not completely lost because God will continue to work through us to bring the good news to our world. My friends, we have a divine responsibility to reach as many people with the gospel of Jesus. That's our responsibility. I would, I would go as far as saying, if you're a believer, there's no greater accomplishment in this life than to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't care how much money you have in a bank. I don't care when, what your status is. I don't care how many titles you have before your name. None of that stuff compares to the saving knowledge of knowing Jesus and bringing it to others. Paul, the apostle, the man who wrote these words and the man who wrote basically 85% of the New Testament, he said, when I look at my accomplishments, and the guy was pretty accomplished, he said, compared to Jesus, they are rubbish. Actually, the word that he used was a little bit more undignified. He said, it's like dung. Let me make it more clear. It's like, it's crap compared to knowing Jesus. That's the word he used in the Greek. He would use the word dung. What he was saying is, man... All of the stuff, all these accolades, all the stuff compared to knowing Jesus means absolutely nothing if I don't have the right context of who I am and why I'm here. Isn't that amazing? You know, I meet people who are extremely successful in the world but feel extremely poor because they don't have identity, they don't have purpose. And they're looking to find a way to make sense of life. And we, my friends, as believers, We have the good news to bring to a world who is dying for some good news. Can you say amen? You know, I wrote this question down in my notes this week. What if our passion for the good news was greater than our passion for politics? Quiet in this Baptist church. What if we took that same energy, that same excitement, that same passion for politics or for who we think is going to win, and we say, we already know who's, who already won, and he's, and he's bringing peace through his life. Because, my friends, we are the carriers of the good news. I want to say it again. We don't just bring the good news. We are the good news. Tell your neighbor your good news. Tell the right neighbor, we can be good news together. We can create a better world. I always try to throw an alley-oop for somebody. But we are the good news. Therefore, we embody the good news. Jesus said that as, as believers, we are the peacemakers. And that really is the title of today's talk. Is we are called to be peacemakers. We bring peace through our lives. 
and we, and we seek to bridge gaps and we seek to build bridges with others so they can also experience the peace that God brings through Jesus. Can you say amen? Jesus puts it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this. He said, bless. The word bless means spiritually calm with life joy. We talked about that last week, right? The Spirit of God brings this calmness, this joy. That it doesn't come from anything outside. It's all within that he does, right? And look, so blessed, spiritually calm with joy in God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace. For they will express his character and be called the sons of God. Another version says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you a child of God? Well, the way you know you are a child of God is, are you, are you making and maintaining peace? So it's not just something that you say you are, it's what you do that says that you are. Are you tracking? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So it's not that I say I'm a child of God, it's that what I do reflects that I truly am a child of God by maintaining and bringing peace exactly where I am. I bring peace where there's chaos. I bring peace where there's triumph, when there's trials. I bring peace where there's tribulation. And I've said this and say it again. We have to stop with this nonsense to think that we just checked a religious box with Christians that just makes us Christians. It's actually how we live that says, I am a child of God. Like some of us grew up in, in Christian homes and, and our moms and dads or grandparents were Christians and, and we don't just get to fall under that. You don't become Christians by osmosis. You don't inherit Christianity. You are birthed into a new person in the, in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? I told you, I grew up in a very religious place. Born and raised in Cape Verde. Everybody is basically classic by tradition. But it doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus really shows by how you make and maintain peace with others. There's a lot of people, my friends, doing a lot of things in the name of God... That God don't co-sign. Yes, yes, yes. And it's amazing to me during this tension of politics, how many people have really shown us that they're true colors. Now, you don't know your friends and who is crazy until election comes around. Yes, yes, yes. Like the sweetest person in the world can turn into a crazy person. Like that person that you see in the cubicle every day smiles away. You go on our Facebook page and you're like, oh my God, Susan. <laughs> I hope there's no Susans here. I'm trying different names. It's like, Susan, oh my God, I didn't know you felt that way. <laughs> Susan's like, yeah, that's the real me. <laughs> you know what they say, right? If someone shows you who they really are, believe them. So we are blessed when we bring good news and we bring peace where there's chaos. Blessed, again, the place of peace and calmness in the middle of chaos. What I love about Jesus is that he never sugarcoated it for us. He never said, hey, when you receive me, there's going to be this automatic utopia and everything's going to work out. Actually, he says, when you receive me, all hell breaks loose. 
Because now you're awakened to the reality that there's a war, there's a war going on around you. But he's like, no, I give you peace in the midst of chaos. So in other words, let me tell you this. If we're waiting for all the stars to align for us to have peace, good luck. You're going to be waiting for a long time. Matter of fact, the whole thing was birthed in the middle of a Roman empire who brought peace through violence. Think about that. Like we haven't faced persecution the way these people have faced. And for those who think, you know, America is so bad, go to China. Go to Hong Kong. Like, like go to Russia where it's illegal to tell people about Jesus. You have to, have to meet underground. And I don't know where we're going in that country, and I pray we're not there. But listen, I, I, I feel like we have some serious tense days coming our way. And I think it's going to reveal who we really are as people. So I'm not going to sit here and just think, you know, preach utopia because we're not there yet. We're on our way. But I feel like after Tuesday, there's going to be some serious tension. And it's going to reveal some stuff. That's why I felt when we were doing this series a few weeks ago when we were praying, I really felt strongly that, hey, we need to end this series with peacemakers. Because I think it's the peacemakers that are going to set the tone for the kind of country we want to have. Can you say amen? James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, that always shocks people. Jesus had a, yes, Jesus had seven siblings. Mary had Jesus, but then she had a family. Sorry, Catholics, the truth. <laughs> it's in the Bible. He had siblings. See, I just lost a lot of people. Someone online just dropped their cereal. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but the brother of Jesus, who became one of the first pastors of the Jerusalem church, wrote powerful book. And when he wrote his book, you have to understand, they were in a tight place. They were being physically persecuted. This is not just being persecuted online and like, oh my gosh, they're making fun of my faith. Okay. That's like a paper cut. Okay. That's, that's where we are in America. You know, we're like, oh my gosh, someone made fun of me because I believe. This is not what they're facing. They were facing being put in jail, beheaded, killed because they believed in Jesus. Okay, this is a true story. Go look, look, real history, not fake news. Okay. But here's what he says in the middle of persecution. Here's what he says. He said, look, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I believe those are the three key things of a peacemaker. Peacemakers are... Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, can we break this down a little bit? My friends, I don't know about you, but man, we need people who can learn to listen well. We are in this mess because we don't listen. We hear, but we don't listen. There's a difference. Like, I've been so convicted by this personally. I'm asking Jesus to make me a better listener. Yes. 
Because usually, we're not listening, we're just waiting to respond. As a matter of fact, sometimes people talk, we didn't hear a word because we already had our response already to give. We never listened. I'm asking all of us as believers here online, let's pray to really be the people of God who are quick to listen. We wouldn't be in this mess if we were better listeners. On whatever side you fall in, whatever issue they may be, because it doesn't matter what issue. I can throw an issue in the air right now, and we will all go into our camp. That's how we're living right now. And you think it's just the world? No, the Christians. We're in this mess. The capital C church is divided on every issue right now. Like we can't seem to find a common ground. But when I read Jesus, when he was going to the cross, what he prayed was powerful. Go look it up. In John chapter 16 and 17, Jesus, his final prayer to Father on earth is that we would live united. He says, man, I, God, I pray that they're united like we are. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We'd never disagree. We always are united. Now, let me, when I say that, understand unity and uniformity is not the same thing. My kids go to a school where they wear uniforms. That doesn't mean they're all united. Yes, yes, that's good. So I, no, what I'm trying to say is we don't have to all look the same, talk the same, act the same to be on the same page. But we don't get there without listening first. Because the truth is, the reason why we're in such a mess is we stop listening to each other. It's no longer United States, United States of America. It's no... It's whatever I want it to be. And if you don't agree with it, then you must be intolerant. You must be a bigot. You must be a homophobic. You must be, you know, all of the phobics we have presented. Now, I don't, we're running out of phobic. Because it's amazing how we've bought into this reality that if I don't agree with you, maybe I don't like you. I don't agree with the things my kids do every day. Five kids, I'm always saying no to something. But I don't say no to them because I hate them. I actually say no because I love them. It's a big difference. By the way, today is my wife's birthday. <laughs> and I shout out to you. You are an amazing human being. You make me want to be a better person. And, and let me tell you something. I would not be the person I am without my wife. And this church would not be what it is without her. She's a leader in our own right. I believe that we, we are co-partners in this. I don't believe one is over the other. I believe that everybody has their rightful place. So I want to give honor where honor is due and thank God for you. Love you. But no one has taught me this more than her. I mean, the woman is incredible. I told her, I said, I, every time we meet with people, and, and, and she has a way of validating 
every single person. I'm like, listen, when, when are we in meetings with you? I don't want to say a thing because I don't want to mess it up. Like you have a way of making, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. People could be saying something crazy and she finds a way to say, oh, tell me about that. And I'm sitting there like, can I preach? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I have learned so much from her over the years that if you validate people, you realize that people just want to be heard. Sometimes people just want room to be heard. That's why I think we jacked up this whole struggle with racism. All, all some people wanted was to be heard. But the moment they were trying to be heard, we shut it down with, all lives matter. But you missed the point. They didn't feel heard. Like you never validated them. Were you ever black? Were you ever in a neighborhood where you feel threatened? Were you ever in a place where you feel like your life is in danger? We didn't hear him. All we did was shut it down. All lives matter. Blue lives matter. Yes, all lives matter. But right now, we're talking about this particular group of people who feel that their lives are in danger. We never listened. And can I say this because we're in a political tense place because the moment I say that, I know what happens is, so what are you saying? Are you with the Black Lives Matter movement? No, I'm with black people, not the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's make a clear distinction. Because if you go on their website, they don't stand for anything that we stand for. I'm, I'm talking about the evil of racism that Jesus died for. Are you, are you with me? Because again, <laughs> I want us to be united here. Hey, and I'll walk away. Pastors push. No, I'm not. I'm saying if we listen better, we might validate people. And people, sometimes they just need room to vent. Married people. You want your marriage to go well? Be quick to listen. Most marriages are in trouble because we don't listen. I was hoping that the husbands would say amen with me on this. <laughs> I'm trying to save our marriage. And y'all are living me here hanging. Pastor, I mean, <laughs> she just know my wife. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, be quick to listen. Wives uh, elbowing, make room. But listen, peacemakers have this ability. This is, this is really hard to understand, but I believe peacemakers have quiet strength. They don't have to be the loudest. They don't have to impose. I think peacemakers have a way of holding their ground, but without making you feel threatened. They don't have to bully people. There's a lot of bullies out there. There's a lot of people who are bullied in, in playgrounds that they never grew up from that. And they're still bullying through their words. They're still bullying through their approach. There's a lot of bullies who haven't really dealt with their own self. And let me, let me give you an insight in human experience. A lot of times people are not mad at you. They just mad at themselves. And you just happen to be in the way <laughs> that day. Very quiet today. But listen, listening is about valuing other people who were created in the image of God just like you are. That's what listening is. So I'm going to value you. I don't have to agree with you, but I can value you by just learning to listen. Are you tracking with me? Yes. And then he says, be slow to speak. 
Man, we need this so bad right now. I think our world would be in a much better place if we can just take our time to articulate our thoughts from a calm, collected, and wise place, which we've been talking about the last few weeks. Slow to speak. Now, when I say this, understand this. Peacemakers are not doormats. Okay. I think it's important. That doesn't mean you are a doormat. It just means that you, you are collected in your convictions. Matter of fact, some of the strongest people that I know, they know how to take time before they speak. Because there's their strength. I don't think it takes much strength to be prideful and egotistic and be opinionated. I think that's easy. That's, that's the default mode of humans. I think it's way more challenging to be humble because being humble doesn't make you a doormat. It actually makes you stronger. It means that you have control. It means that you have a spirit of God in you that empowers you to, to think through what you want to say. Even when you have strong opinions about certain things. Listen, I believe peacemakers have strong opinions but they're always looking for the common ground. Because they care about people more they care about being right. And that's a struggle right now. We, we just care about being right. But peacemakers go beyond that. They want to be righteous. They don't just want to be right. And I believe our relationships, I don't care what it is, your marriage, your friendships, your, your, your work uh, relationships, will go so much further if we just learn to establish that we have common grounds as humans. So, so I'm going to be slow to speak because I want to find the right words to bridge the gap between you and I. That even if we don't agree, I can still value you. I can still honor you as another human being. Because, because my, my desire is to honor God. Because if I don't honor you, I'm not honoring God. Are you tracking with me? So peacemakers focus on the greater good. Here's another one. Peacemakers are good at de-escalating tense moments. Peacemakers, they, they know how to bring things down. Some people, all they know is how to throw fire into the mix. Peacemakers just know how to de-escalate situations. Peacemakers are selective with their words because they have a greater understanding of life. They care about their marriage more they care about being right. They care about their church more, they, more than they care about their own opinions. <laughs> you track it with me. This takes maturity for us to get to this place. But here's what Paul says in the same letter to the Ephesians. Here's what he says about words. Paul says, look, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How awesome is that? Like I, I, can, I can stop and try to articulate my thoughts in a way that my heart desires to encourage you even if we don't agree. Even if we don't agree, I can still be a blessing in your life. And my friends, this is the reason why Christianity was so popular in the middle of persecution. 
because the people didn't understand. We're per, you're being persecuted, and how are you keeping yourself together this way? How are you not lashing out? Because let's be honest, let's be real. It's so easy right now to be angry. It's almost impossible to not be angry at something right now. Like, if I just throw a topic out there right now, we will lose our minds. Like this, I'm telling you, we, listen, it's very hard to be angry right now. And I understand what the Bible is saying. When he's saying be slow to anger, I, I need to understand, help us understand here that, that, listen, it doesn't mean you don't get angry. He's saying be slow to get angry. If you are a good listener and you pick and choose your words, then anger is not going to overthrow you and overwhelm you. Listen, I pray you understand this. Some of the great, greatest peacemakers that we've had, they were hang, angry or something. They just knew how to channel it. Mother Teresa was about five foot three. When I say Mother Teresa, anywhere in the world, people will recognize that name. But I remember she came to the United States during the Clinton administration and spoke some very powerful passionate things in front of Bill Clinton and called him out on abortion, but in the most peaceful way you can imagine. And I'm like, man, that woman is my hero. She stood up for what she believed, but she never bashed anybody. She just pointed to the reality that how can you not stand for the right of those who are still in the womb, who don't have a voice, we are their voice, we're the ones to stand for them. She was a peacemaker, but she chose the words. We have another, what I call one of the prophets of our nation, Martin Luther King Jr., who was angry at racism and inequality in America. But look how he approached it. He didn't approach it from the Black Lives Matter movement. He approached it from the gospel perspective and said, all men are created equal. But go study the man. He went to jail for just standing up for his rights. More than once. One time he was walking down the street with these kids. A woman came up and spat in his face. And as a peacemaker, she, he said to this woman, do you want to do the same with my kids too? And she didn't know how to respond. My friends, peacemakers are not doormats. They just know how to stand for righteousness without having to dishonor other people. And of course, look at Jesus. Jesus stood up to the corruption of religion and politics of his day. Jesus didn't mince his words. <laughs> Go look it up. If you want to see Jesus while out, Matthew 23. When he went off and said, you brood of vipers, you liars, you hypocrites. But what does he do in the end? He says, I'm still dying for you. That's a peacemaker, my friends. That's the Jesus that we say we worship. That's the Jesus we say we love. So my friends, anger is not bad. It's how you channel it. Matter of fact, I believe this. A lot of times, the way God's speaking to you is by what makes you angry. Some of the greatest movements in life has come through anger, channeled in the right direction. Go look up some of the organizations that we have today were birthed out of someone being angry and wanted to do something about it, to change it. So anger, my friends... I love what Joel Malm said in his book. 
love slows down. He says this about anger. He says, anger is not a sin. It's a sign. It's a sign. Something is wrong. But how am I going to respond to it will determine if it's a sin or a purpose. My friends, anger could be a guide to a deeper purpose. I equate anger with electricity. Electricity is powerful in its right context and channel. But if electricity gets out of its right context and channel, it's destructive. You ever seen a pole was hit by electricity and it causes chaos, it causes fire, right? Because that's electricity in its wrong context. But if you can, you can, you can channel electricity towards something good, then you get, you get lights and you get power and you get wind. You get all the stuff that you need for living. My friends, we need to earnest the power of anger towards the purpose and the will that God has for all of us. It's a sign. You know, Joel... In his book, goes on to say this. He said, anger is almost like a, a second emotion. He says, the key is you need to figure out what is the first emotion that triggers your anger. He says, all of us as human beings are anger because one of these three things has been threatened. If you take a note, he said, look, he said, your anger is related to your fear of security, connection, or control. Let me say it again. It says your anger is related to your fear of security, connection, or control. When one of those things you feel you're being violated, it makes you angry. That's why people are wilding out right now. But how many people have stopped and said, what is the first emotion that leads to my anger? Security is, is, is as far as you, know, you, you, you feel like your security has been violated, like you were making money and you lost your job and that leads you to anger. It's not anger, it's the fact that you have a lack of security that you thought money can give you, but then you find out only God can give you security in life. Sometimes it has to do with connection. We want to be validated. And when people don't validate us, it makes us angry. And then we realize that I asked someone this, this question the other day. I said, how many validations would it take you for you to be validated? Because at some point, you have to let God validate you. Because you're always going to be at the, someone else's mercy to validate you. Why do you think a lot of spouses are angry with each other? Because they don't feel validated. You know why God told Jesus before he did anything? When Jesus got baptized, he said, hey, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what God the Father was doing? I validate you. Man won't validate you. Miracles won't validate you. Preaching won't validate you. Nothing will validate you. I am the one who validates you above everything and all things. And then control. We feel threatened when we feel like our rights are being taken away. That's a real struggle right now. The, over, the government is overreaching. That's a serious situation. We, that's what I'm saying. I think that we're going to have some serious, tense days ahead. I, I don't even know what's going to happen to our church. I'm just going to put this out there. I don't even know if they're going to shut us down. I don't know what's going to happen. 
But I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm going to go to God because he's in control. So let me wrap this up, my friends. We need peacemakers more than ever in our society. We need peacemakers at home. It starts, everything starts at home. Everything starts at home. We need peacemakers at work, church. My God, our government needs peacemakers. Can we pray that our government would stop serving themselves and start actually serving the people? And my gosh, we need peacemakers on social media. Social media now has turned to Big Brother. They're, get, they're censoring what they want to censor. <laughs> like, they, this is America. What the heck is going on? Talking about being angry. This stuff makes you angry. But we have to channel it, first of all, towards prayer. So we don't become destructive in our approach. But this stuff is not right. There's a lot of injustice going on right now. Social media should not dictate who they let run loose. They are meddling with our elections right now. It's not even China or Russia anymore. It's our own big tech companies. Watch this message get censored. You may not find this online. I'm serious. Our church in Smithfield got censored last week. Pastor Ed Young in Texas got censored last week. Like, this is crazy. Let me put this out there. We might be censored. Remember this, you heard it live. This podcast might not make it tomorrow. We usually release it on Monday. Let's see what happens. Some glitch in the system. <laughs> Man, I thought this stuff was us, you know, conspiracy theories. But we're seeing this stuff happening in real time. Right now, as we speak. But we need to channel it. Because I want to say this to us. The enemy is the troublemaker. We are the peacemakers. So let's make sure we channel our energy towards the right thing. And as I conclude today, worship team, you guys can come up. In order to be a peacemaker, my friends, we, we must first be at peace. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Listen, you got to live in peace with God with yourself, and then with others. There's a domino effect there. If you're not at peace with God, you're not at peace with yourself. If you're not at peace with yourself, it's hard to be at peace with others. It all starts first when you take ownership to say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your healing. Heal my heart. Because if you don't heal my heart, I don't know how to love myself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's hard to love yourself when you're not at peace with yourself. So everything with the gospel starts with personal ownership. I have to take personal ownership. There's no time to be playing the blame game. That's not going to get us anywhere. It starts with me taking ownership. Loving God. Loving myself and then loving others. Would you stand with me as we pray? Blessed are the peacemakers. Because they're at peace with God. They're at peace with themselves. Would you do me a favor? Just for self-reflection, would you close your eyes and bow your heads for a second? Internalize this message. Make it personal. Are you at peace with God? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you feel forgiven? Do you feel loved? 
accept it. It starts there. You got to start there. And all you have to do is ask him, Lord, I want to be at peace with you. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want to walk in righteousness. And then we can pray, Lord, now help me love myself the right way. Help me have a proper context of love for myself. To value myself like you value me. But Father, I don't want to stop there. I want to love my neighbor. Especially those that I don't agree with. Especially those that I might don't have the same political convictions with. But Lord, you call us to be united. And unity is not uniformity. Unity is, is an understanding that we have a greater good. Which is God our Father and his purpose for our lives. So Father, we come to take ownership of this message. Make us peacemakers. I pray right now, let your forgiveness reign over us. Let your grace reign over us. Lord, cleanse us from unhealthy anger. Channel our anger towards justice, towards peace, towards love, forgiveness. Our neighbors, Lord, need your love and your grace. We are the good news. God, I pray once again, establish your gospel as our baseline. We want to live right with you. We want to be a blessing in other people's lives. And we pray always in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.